Welcome back to the Keeping Stock Sneaker Podcast. I'm your host, Julian, and welcome to season two. We're back in full force. It's been a little while. Thankful for everyone who tuned in and who sent messages during the downtime. Season two is upon us, and I'm excited to get into today's guest. I hope you guys enjoyed as well. And with all that being said, let's hop into it. It's safe to say the sneaker world is rapidly burst into the cultural zeitgeist, like many niche interests from the 80s and 90s of recently. In today's game, you can find and acquire almost any sneaker in a matter of minutes. But what does that mean for the future of the sneaker industry? Today's guest has likely influenced your favorite footwear content creator in more ways than one. He's operated as Director of Operations at Kicks on Fire, acts as an invisible hand for highly applauded Philadelphia boutique Lapstone and Hammer, and has dabbled in a variety of roles for industry-leading brands for over 15 years. Please welcome to the show, Creative Mastermind, Rack. Thank you, man. Thanks for that intro. I got to get you to do that every time I walk into a room. <laughs> That'd be a nice <laughs> service to have. And I'm sure you've walked in a lot of rooms over those 15, 20 years within the industry. They're not all as glamorous as people imagine, but definitely been in a few that some people have dreamt of, I'm sure. And that's kind of the vein in which I've been a fan of your content for a long time from those very early uh, YouTube days. But what I've wow. noticed after my hiatus is just the sneaker environment itself is changing. And as an individual who's been in the game for a long time working and as growing up being a fan of sneakers as well and having your dad put you on a little bit, what are some of the things recently that have come to attention where you've really noticed a shift in what sneakers used to be 10, 20 years ago to where we're at today? When I was younger and I first started to get into the hobby, you kind of alluded to it. My father was a fantastic athlete and he was trying to raise a couple pretty decent athletes too, and my brother and I. And so footwear was about playing sports. My dad believed we should have you know, shoes for indoor and outdoor, and then a different pair of shoes for school. So we always got to pick three, and he had his preferences and brands, and he would have us try different things. And it wasn't so much... Um, you know, we were trying to be cool or that we knew a particular shoe was cool or even that I would say that I had even developed my own style yet. I don't think it was about that. It was just about sports and they were a utility. And it just so happened it was in a time where some of those products became iconic. Players behind them did incredible things that will be remembered forever. And then, you know, of course, many people my age will tell you, you know, it was, it was our thing first, right? So, so it's very closely cemented to those golden years of growing up. But I would say now it's, it's definitely pop culture, which is, might have been true in the past, but we weren't aware of it in the same sense. And then it's social status to an extent, or at least uh, social media status. It could be high fashion when done correctly and when those partnerships are executed right. And mo above all, I think the biggest change is it's big business. It's, it's really big business in part and, and maybe recently in a smaller part, I worked for a sneaker store. In 1990, I would have been Al Bundy, right? Wherever someone comes into the store and tries to exchange a pair of shoes he's been wearing for three months, I'll be there. And whenever kids come into the store, take off their old shoes and try to sneak out with new ones, I'll be there too. Now it's like this coveted job that everybody can't wait to ask me about. And we don't have a lot of trouble selling the sneakers, I can tell you that. And then not only that, 
the aftermarket and people who have built businesses for themselves reselling and platforms that have built billion dollar businesses helping them to do that. All of that is not entirely new, but definitely different and definitely the predominant force, I would say at the moment. And that brings me to point one I resonate now with is how you grew a connection to the sneakers while you're growing up. I got into sneakers in 2003 through sports and this connection through these players. And at that time, it still felt like there's the small community aspects that you kind of alluded to and the ability for this community in some regards. Um, you're making these connections, networking, creating friends as opposed to creating customers in some regards. Right, right. But we've come to realize like sneakers are no longer for that, you know, those small interested groups. Sneakers are being produced at a mass scale for, like you said, pop culture for that social status. And yeah. from your perspective, helping with a, a shoe store multiple mm -hmm. times, right? The question I always ask is like, why do sneaker brands care or why should they care about the community if they're always selling out? I mean, we're seeing six, yeah. eight releases a week. And I know you've cultivated and curated a lot of unique collections and mm -hmm. collaborations. And so how would you touch on the importance of the storytelling aspect of some of those collaborations and the excitement you've seen from some of those releases? You know, it's it's interesting. I think why the brands need to consider what you refer to as community is it's a measure of authenticity, in my opinion. Like if you're aware of of us, <laughs> for, for lack of a better word, the, the OGs, still think it really matters to consider us and our opinion and the experience we had because it's what got them here. I don't know how else to say it. It's a measure of their best work. The 14-year-old uh, reseller who might call me, call me an old man with a washed opinion uh, is rushing out to buy a shoe that I had when I was his age. <laughs> so he, he's rushing out to get my thing as far as I'm concerned. Just for the record, I don't have a huge problem with young sneakerheads or people interpreting it or enjoying it in other ways. That's not what I'm trying to say. I think it's important from the brand's perspective, though, to be like, hey, we're we're still that brand or we still do those things or we still care about those things, even as they they go forward and, and charge towards other things and stuff like that. So even as they push into those things that are really new and really exciting because of the fact that kids aren't gravitating to the new stuff, they're gravitating to the old stuff. And because so did we and, and because so did everyone who started Complex and everyone who started Kicks on Fire and everyone who started Nice Kicks and everybody who kept talking about your product and helped to create this fever pitch. It's important that I think you stay connected to us and that feeling and you hire people who understand it and uh, continue to pursue it. I hope they do it more through a new product. That would, that would be really cool. And then, you know, I think some of us would let go of the reins a bit more if that were the case. Maybe you can attest to this too. I think sneakers now have not plateaued, but they have definitely segmented themselves into what 10, 15 years ago, or you look at the, you know, Mount Rushmore of sneakers, some would call when you look at like your Jordan ones or early Nike basketball and Kobe, or you look at Penny Hardaway, um, those, you know, silhouettes that we saw is that those were great performance shoe at the time, but they were also great off the court. And yeah. now we've hit this segmentation where you look at the LeBron 19, which in itself is a conversation. I'm curious to see your thoughts on that, but <laughs> oh, it's geez. so performance heavy 
that I find it hard to believe that someone is going to be wearing that outside the context of a court on a regular basis or see that sell through that we saw with early Nike basketball, 2010, 2011, you know, the penny days. What are you guys doing? What are you doing? Hey, you know, the only time you guys yell box out is when you're out of donut. You guys remind me of my shoe closet. I got one penny and a bunch of loafers the Jordan days, Dion days, Ken Griffey, like all those were performance shoes that have lasted because we've seen them on both areas um, of the court. Mm -hmm. In your perspective, being through all of those generations, Mm -hmm. do you see that being a problem moving forward within sneakers of not having that same appeal to go both ways and that lack of innovation to try to push both categories equally? It's a maybe thing to me. Like if I were me, if this was a Nike focus group and I was given that same question, I would say, Hey, keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, if they ask me to elaborate, I might say the reason it's so much more popular now is it's not just the athletes. Right. There's a lot more kids who who either are into style themselves or they think they are. I've got some opinions about uh, how stylish it is to wear a Travis Scott one because you saw 500 other people do it on Instagram or whatever, you know, (laughs) (laughs) or not really not really know how to get a fit together with some of the hot stuff or only wanting the hot stuff. That's a whole different discussion, but we only wanted the limiting limited stuff. That's a different conversation, but. And I kind of want to go down that rabbit hole that you touched on with kind of limited and exclusive a, a bit. Cause it's yeah. something I'm starting to wrap my mind around. But the, mm-hmm. one of the areas that I found me intriguing is that you said, or tweeted, I should say, you know, liking sneakers isn't a personality. Buying sneakers isn't a hobby. Having sneakers that are hard to get isn't a style. And yeah. to me, it's, Having worked in footwear retail and to, you know, the evolution of social media and now what is TikTok that you're seeing a lot of people get into this game because they've seen it elsewhere and it's that social status. What are some of those opinions you had uh, alluded to earlier? <laughs> well, I just think that, you know, let's deconstruct that tweet. This is a good opportunity mm-hmm. to do that. You know, liking sneakers isn't a personality. And that I said that and it's actually what started the thought that started the tweet because it's something I struggle with. Right. I've got close to, I don't know, probably close to 100,000 people following me across, if you go across all platforms. If you just, let's just take Instagram because it's easy. I think it's like 25,000. You know, that's the Wells Fargo Center, if not larger. So more yeah. people than who watch the Sixers. And all of those people, this is something I legitimately thought a lot about during quarantine. I thought all of these people only know this thing about me. And moreover, they really only care about this thing about me. And, and moreover, they think that's enough. And mm-hmm. that's like, a, I don't know, man, maybe I am getting old, but it was worrisome to me. Recently, I, recently I've tried to combat this a bit and just, well, not even combat it, but just be more representative of my full self. And so I'm like, hey, you know, I was in touring bands and these are some guitars I picked up recently. And um, uh, I've really fallen in love with the bass again. And I've got two of my favorite basses and I bought this amp and I love what this amp company is doing. Followers that have been with me since the very beginning unfollowed. You know, I think they got, I got with, with 25,000 followers, I think I got 18 likes on an Alpha Omega amp, which, you know, if you know anything about music is like way freaking cooler than (laughs) (laughs) the limited Jordan, Uh, you know? And, and so I guess what I was saying with that line is like, I know all of you have to be more interesting than this. Right. You know what I mean? Like you have to have, something else you're into, something else you want to talk about. Why are you arguing? 
why are you crying for six, seven days after a release? Like they're still talking about this last union release everywhere, like still crying. And it could have been this way and it wasn't worse than this one. And it was worse than that one. And why'd they change this? And I'm just like, God, life is a lot more interesting. People read it and they feel insulted. No one in the world could argue they love sneakers more than me. I've got 1300 sneakers upstairs. I can tell you anything about sneakers. I can name model numbers ad nauseum. I've designed sneakers, released sneakers, worked at a nationally renowned boutique. I've been in all the meetings, shook all the hands, right? Um, So if I'm telling you that, just asking you to think about it. The way you had mentioned, you know, the refound love or enjoyment for music and the bass, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I, in the same vein, I went through during COVID no, I don't have a ton of shoes, or I guess I do have, a, I had a lot of shoes, not near what you had, but anyone with over 25 pairs of shoes is a lot. <laughs> yeah, and so, you yeah, know, I was, sure. I was pushing 130 and I, I sat down one day mm-hmm. and looked at my closet and I said, what is this me? Like, did I buy this mm-hmm. sneaker because this is me? Did I yeah. you know, go after this because I wanted it? Or is that that subliminal influence of what's on social and what's being shared? And what the celebrity is wearing or the price of this, that, and a third and ended up cutting down my, my shoes to, to 25, 30 pairs and being more diligent about what I buy. Right. And I, and you touched on it further. It's like how much of these shoes in that perspective really matter mm-hmm. um, to me. And as you know, if someone is a collector, which is, a, you know, the third part of that tweet, it's understanding that those collectors have a very intent purpose for what they're going after and gathering much like Thanos and the infinity stones. <laughs> Fine. I'll do it myself. Right. A lot hey. of intent and a lot of effort to get those. But now, like you said, people are just buying at will and then complaining to complain because that gets traction about these releases and things that you uh, should you should see because at any point i could i could look at monitor or act as lapstone and, and from any platform and you should see how they talk to a retailer that can give them that product like you know what i mean like you would think any sensible human being would cultivate some kind of somewhat meaningful relationship or supportive customer patronage mm-hmm. or hey just you know, I want you to be aware of, of who I am and how I've been supporting you. No, man, it's every curse word you can get when they don't get it. It's 109 different suggestions about how we could have done the release differently. And keep in mind, we are widely, widely, widely regarded as one of the fairest, easiest, most transparent stores 100%. there is. I mean, wide. I mean, we hear that from every customer that walks through the door, every employee at every major brand. Like that's right. what we're known for. And even so, it, what it all boils down to is you should run a release where only I can enter and then you hand deliver me the shoe the same day. You know, right. that's what it boils down to. Like do everything I want. Or it's even and, the, uh, I see Lapson gets the occasional, <laughs> oh, I missed the raffle. Why don't you guys share it more? Why don't you post yeah. about it more? It's like everyone else saw it. Everyone else entered. And we're, and we're doing it with a lot of intent too. We might literally say, Let's do it now. It gives them three hours to enter and let's only mention it once. Why? Because you guys have asked us time and time again for the best possible chance at the most limited product, right? So that's it. Man, if you love it, you'll have the notifications on. And if you need that shoe, you'll get down here. If you if you want to 
get your absolute best chance. Maybe you'll bring your girlfriend and your mom and they can enter too. And we're not that insane yeah. about that, you know? Naturally, it kind of brings me to the second part or the third part of that uh, tweet, which was, you know, buying sneakers is not a hobby. And I stick to that. A lot of people, again, semantics, you know, they want to be insulted. So they got mad um, or tried to argue. But the reality is it's never been about the act of buying sneakers. So, mm-hmm. you know, the the millions of discussions about who, what, when, where, how, why it went this way, that way, this way, to me, that's that's not the hobby. And I think you maybe missed the point if that's how you're trying to enjoy this, or um, those are the relationships that you're building. Then there's the buy, sell, trade, bot, cook group world. And, um, you know, I'm not saying this stuff uneducated. I was offered a pretty good sizable check to be the face of of a cook group that, you know, to use it and figure it out and understand it and if i thought it was a good service talk about it and um so i went in i went all in i was in a discord group i had a headset i could hear people yelling and screaming and i had monitor set up and i was like oh my god everyone in here totally missing the point you know just totally just totally missing the point because there are really cool sneakers man really cool sneakers that you would see me in literally nine out of ten times sitting at the shelf sitting on the shelf at labstone and the other thing I get a lot is, um, well, it's easy for you to say you can have anything you want. You don't worry about this stuff. But even more so, I think that qualifies me because I don't take everything right. because I don't want things just because I can have them because I don't take them <laughs> to resell them. And um, so my counter to to the people that were upset about that is like the hobby, you, know, you should understand that the hobby is being selective about the sneakers that you want and, and you desire developing your own taste for it putting people on used to be the best thing bro 100%. i remember back in the day wearing the grant hill two feelers because i saw tupac wear them i glide to the hole to the hole two then the lanes closed uh-oh can't come through so go outside the shot is there touch it feel it get up in the air over and over the confidence will grow. Can't wait for this year. Gonna be a whole new show. And when I got to school, no one had had them yet. That was the best feeling. I'm sure there there were people like, what are those boo-boos? You know, mm. they're not Nike. They're not Adidas. But dude, let me tell you, like two months later, everyone was wearing them. And that was the best feeling in the world back then. Now, at my age now, you know, how do you get a job at Lapstone? How do you get a mate? meeting at nike how do you get your own shoe they know i'm a they know i know my stuff i mean not just as a designer i think i'm pretty well established in that way but they know i'm really about this i really Mm. care i really have a knowledge of it that's the that's the hobby and and again you know not to split hairs but i'm not saying everyone who bots doesn't know their stuff i'm not saying everybody who's a reseller isn't everything i just described to i don't care what you do (laughs) you know i don't care about that at all i'm just saying hey specifically very concisely the hobby isn't the act of buying it that'd be Mm -hmm. like saying i'm a great chef because i go grocery shopping uh so that was the second part of that tweet that i think got a little misunderstood two-part question here on that inference right part one the the shoes that are on the shelves that you like that are super cool Mm -hmm. can you give one example because i've recently fallen the same trap right i bought went to the Adidas employee store, 
and picked up a pair of gazelles and Stan Smiths and Sambas, right? Super clean, mm-hmm. low aesthetic. And there's a couple instances where I've gone to places where people may be wearing, you know, more hyped up sneakers and they're strictly like, wow, are those new? What are those? Or how long have those been out? When do they come out? And it, it was an interesting perspective for me to be like, these have been around a lot longer than majority of what you're wearing. These are like a staple yeah. in the community, which it, it seems interesting too, to your point that there's a lot of sweet lineage and history and that are just hanging out that get often overlooked because something is limited or hyped up. Yeah. And it's funny because if I wear any of the things I'm talking about, like I'll just talk, I'm just thinking right now, you can get the Air Force One Acorn Quick Strike that laps mm-hmm. on right now. No problem. You can get, there was a new pair of the Tokyo Design Studio 574 New Balance. It's like a beautiful, gorgeous shoe, actually rare, actually limited, actually um, designed by, a, so a collab in a sense with the Tokyo Design Studio. I could freak any of those shoes. Like right. I could put together an outfit and put it up on Instagram and uh, get over a thousand likes and a ton of comments. Where'd you get those? What are those? How do they fit? But like, I shouldn't have to. And nor should, like, nor should you take, I'm not even, I'm a micro, micro nano influencer. I'm more likely to influence an influencer who influences you. But take one of my best friends, John Geiger. Don't wait for him to wear it because he's, he's super influential. Like, get out there, get in the stores, put a fit ticket. Like, that was the hobby. Mm-hmm. And maybe if, when I say buying shoes isn't a hobby, maybe the hobby's changed. Right. Yeah. So maybe I'm maybe I'm dating myself when I say that. And somebody trying really hard to buy a bot to resell it right now was like, you can't tell me this isn't a hobby. And I'm like, OK, cool. We have different hobbies. Right. Um, I'm not looking to argue. I really am. I'm not. And I'm not looking to be condescending in any way. Uh, but you're missing a really big hobby. If you don't go into a store like Lapstone, where the staff is educated, where the buyer, the buying team works directly with the owner, where we curate so incredibly hard <laughs> mm-hmm. what comes in and out of our product you're missing a part of the hobby if you're not in there shopping and putting together a look to me in that same vein the hobby was the conversation that was started the right. the connections you made it wasn't just hey nice nice shattered backboards you're like thanks where are you going yeah. with this it was kind of that evolution of oh oh yeah i did this that and a third or you know so and so i talked to and you kind of create these conversations that turned into friendships and other opportunities there's another point you had in there about kind of finding, you know, what's truly limited, right? A lot of things are marketed yeah. as this tier zero, super hype product, which are easily, yeah. you know, I would say 10 times more accessible than they were 10 years ago. And yeah. I know you, you've mentioned it in the past, the, the sneaker grail conversation. What is your quest to seek the Holy grail? I think personally for me, that's probably one of my biggest headaches yeah. when I'm seeing the same individual saying, oh, I can't believe I just purchased my grail or, I, you know, and then changing yeah. it the next week and week after week. What is your take on the sneaker grail conversation? Well, well, people aren't going to like this because people want to use the words they want to use however yeah. they want to use them. But right. the truth is there there is only one definition of a sneaker grail. And that's that shoe that's out there. And it's incredibly hard to obtain. It's not that it's expensive you could sell a number of your sneakers and get them or you could skip a number of upcoming releases and save your money and get them. That doesn't, that doesn't qualify to me. Right. Um, it, it's, it's about, 
I don't know if a lot of people know about this shoe or they only made so many in my size or it was only made in Tokyo or it's elusive for it was friends and family or it's elusive in any number of ways. And, and uh, I don't I don't want to sound like a snob. It could be. Remember those like split pea soup looking Jordan fives? I mean, they were terrible, but that could be your favorite Jordan. That could be your grail because at this point, I think you'd be hard pressed to find one. And I would assume they're not going to retro that shoe. So that's fine. And I don't need to qualify your grail, but it needs to be hard. to. It can't be the Union 4s from last week. Right. Right. Because there's a there's a couple of ways I can go about getting those. And so could you. I mean, really, so could you if you're at all in this conversation. Yeah. We are seeing six to eight releases a week, maybe two to three Jordan brand releases a weekend. We're seeing a variety of colorways, which is I mean, all this is great for anyone who's interested in sneakers. You have more opportunities than ever to buy these. However, mm-hmm. the the connection from what those the original retros and original colorways being tied to Jordan playing in them makes me curious to long term, does this water down what sneakers is as there's no real backstory to 95% of sneakers releasing nowadays? It's hard to say because like my favorite Jordan of all time, and it's not even close, is the Aqua 8, which is like super unpopular opinion right like somebody someone who doesn't like me is already typing a tweet like can you believe but it like for a number of reasons one i love the way the eight feels two uh, i love fitting an eight like i like putting an outfit together around an eight straps on straps loose however i want to do it and three because i remember getting that jordan it was like right around that age where i had jordans before that because my dad thought it would be cool if i was in jordan's there was a Bugs Bunny campaign for the seven and I think maybe even for the eight, but it was like associated with Looney Tunes to some degree or the model before it was. So I was like, oh, cool. Across the universe, people are asking what fiend would steal Air Jordans? Oh, goody. More Air Jordans for me. Pebble Beach. This is no way for a pamper superstar to travel. What the shoes? And they're all mine. Give me you those Air Jordans. No, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, no, yes, no, yes, no. And then I used to think the little chenille patch was a peace sign. Like I'm talking, I was young. Like I didn't even realize it was Jordan. Didn't fully realize it was Jordan doing the the jump man. And there was the air raid just a little bit before then where it was the peace sign that was on the strap. So anyway, like I have a lot of association with that. I bought him that shoe out. Remember when you used to, I don't know if you ever did, but I used to wear my shoes till there was like literally holes. Yeah. Literally holes in the bottom. And there was a time when I thought I'd never have them again. And and that's what started a lot of us into this hobby. We got we were we were there when it originally happened. The brand started putting them out right about the time we got real jobs and we and we jumped in, you know? Uh so I don't know if that'll ever go away. And what what I mean by that is that personal association. Like for some kid, that might be a Roshi run that they decide to put out again right. some year for real because that was such a big moment that might be attached to their first kiss or second day of school or it might be a lebron it could be a lebron eight and nine those were still really popular um kd for sure kd's shoes right. as recently as the 12 i think have been uh still popular Kyrie, without a doubt i think he's the number one selling signature athlete in the world so there's definitely some kids building some tight associations to Kyrie. People are forming their own connections. And then the stuff from our era, it's not, it's not going anywhere. 
yeah. I mean, when you watch The Last Dance, you just whether you were there the first time or not, you you saw how cool Michael Jordan made everything look. There's a scene in The Last Dance where he puts on the 13s in the locker room. And if you can imagine me, the Don Drew, they call him Drew, yeah. and Joe LaPuma all jumped in a group chat and were like, yo, how did he make those 13s look so cool? Like immediately the three of us, who you could argue would influence a couple hundred or a thousand people right. if we had immediately bought them like we all felt like we really needed to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon. He'll, he'll, he'll have always done what he did and someone will always rediscover it. And someone will always be here to tell you. Yeah. And, and those core models will still always crush. There's always that potential to create connection with the sneakers yeah. that are coming out. And obviously for the most of this conversation, we've been looking at sneakers through a different lens where honestly, some people, there's a lot of people upset. People are going to be upset for whatever, but like now is probably the best time in in access to sneakers that there has been right you can easily if you really like a shoe you can find it you can pay resale for it if you want there's a release every other weekend mm-hmm. moving forward talk about you know getting back into music and playing on the bass what is uh, yeah. something that you're looking forward to or or excites you whether that is sneakers or another hobby uh in, in your life and in your career i think i'm sort of excited by the break that the pandemic gave us so like i'm not you probably if you really do follow me you probably notice like i'm not i've been crawled all the way out mm-hmm. you know mike and i have had a few conversations about playground politics coming back and coming back in a different format i've got some great buddies that have a phenomenal studio and collectively we have incredible incredible camera gear and and ability that i didn't have the last time i was on youtube so i think about that but I'm not there yet. Like I, I got a good detox in me, you know, right. like I really detox, I really sweated a lot of that stuff out. And I really looked back at what I was doing, the way I was talking, the way I was acting, the way I was presenting myself. And even as successful as it was, I'm really a lot more interested in painting a, a more well-rounded picture of myself. I would love it if a, if a guy like you who's followed me for a long time said something like, 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 he's a great guy. He was super accessible to me. He, he gave me his time over, man, I wish I could get those rack force ones. You know what I mean? Like, or, and I always, it sounds morbid, but I always used to think like, it would be terrible for my wife, for example, when I died, God forbid, or if I died untimely, I want there to be substance. I don't, I'm not really thinking about my death immediately, obviously, but I want there to be substance. And, and so, uh, whenever it is, I come like completely out of the dark <laughs> yeah. and, and kick up some of the more public facing work again. I'm exciting, excited for it to be uh, a little bit more well-rounded. In my day-to-day, I took up a really interesting challenge over the pandemic. I signed on as a creative director of a church. That's a tough so one. I am the, yeah, I am the creative director of a church who seeked me out because of the work I had done in the city and the work I had done with Lapstone and Hammer. And so that should tell you a little bit about the church. It's different. Um, Our tagline is something different. And uh, that's been a really unique challenge, and I'm really excited about how that's come together. I get to be just myself. I'm no different person. But it's a good way to live your life (laughs) when it's done right. The basic things we ask of you are to do good for yourself and those around you, to be out in our city, 
trying to nourish that as much as we can and make positive impacts in our lives. And, um, you know, when I first got offered the position, I sat back and I thought selling Travis Scott ones is not hard, <laughs> not hard at all. Uh, getting you to tune into our YouTube channel, because I promise you it's not what you're expecting from church and pitching you the idea that you can do church from anywhere in on YouTube and, and that it will be meaningful and make a difference in your life. That's challenging. That's really, really, really challenging, especially from a guy who presents the way I do. So, so that's been fun. And I continue to work at that. We're about to come back into person. And so I hope and I anticipate and I uh, pray for the same level of excitement or at least curiosity for that work. There's so much to life that, you know, may be taken for granted in a variety of spaces. You know, we just talked about sneakers, but there's so many opportunities to have and explore that creativity. Um, and it's yeah. exciting to hear and, you know, the the potential playground politics here. And you guys just have a good yeah. time together. It brings a lot of smile to a lot of faces, I'm sure. So you know, I love Mike. He's the man. And um, so that's a that's a good way to put it, man. If I hang out with Mike one day, if I. Uh, participate with the church like over over the pandemic we gave away 65 tons of food to people with food yeah. insecurity in the city so when i say church that's what i mean so yeah. if i'm doing that on tuesday and wednesday i'm feeding people in my city who don't have access to food otherwise and then thursday i'm in the studio filming something with my guys and maybe there's some kind of a youtube thing friday footlocker wants to send me to miami <laughs> for the weekend whatever you know that's what i'm daydreaming about now some mm-hmm. something like that that's, a, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to uh, to continue to view the journey. Looking forward to those projects. Glad to hear you know the excitement and the challenge. I thank you mm-hmm. for for your time and all the the interesting perspectives you added. If you guys are interested mm-hmm. in where to find Rack, obviously that's in the show notes. You can find him and see what he's cooking up and see some of those new projects. Yeah, but don't come follow me if you need to see a sneaker every day. Where you want your timeline to be nothing but the same sneaker. (laughs) Follow me if you care what I'm up to. And uh, don't mind me sharing a little bit more about myself. And there you have it. Once again, special thanks to Rack for taking his time to share his insight and his perspectives from the front end as a consumer and the back end on helping and developing brands over the past 15 to 20 years. And some of those unique stories about his connection to some of the first sneakers that he saw and how he's noticed the game shift and mutate over the past 20 years. Like I said, if you want to follow Rack, his social information is down in the show notes below. It's on Twitter and Instagram at Rack's Life, R-A-C-S-L-I-F-E underscore on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to know what I've been up to, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Julian the Gray. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll catch you next week, either tackling the Olympics or the history of slam ball, whatever I'm feeling this upcoming week. But I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you, Rack, so much for hopping on and opening up season two. And we'll catch you next week.